remember. The one sermon I really did not want to preach uh, was how all you church members be praying for me. That's what the topic of this chapter was. And, and whenever John said he would like to preach this morning, I was thinking, I said yes, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go back and look and make sure. I'm going to have him change the day he preaches because I want him to preach the, the, the topic where, he had, where I'm asking everyone to pray for me. And I looked in the book, and I saw the order and the dates, and today was the day that sermon topic was available. That's just a coincidence, though, right? So, Pastor John. It's used to being in your One, pocket. One, two, yep. Whoa, I'm on. Yep, I can hear myself. Okay. Don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, okay, well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Everyone good? This, everyone having a great week? Yep, okay. Great. I didn't expect that response. That was awesome. All right, good deal. Okay, well, um, and a big welcome, uh, especially if you're a guest or a visitor here. Uh, as, as Ryan said, uh, my name is Pastor John, and uh, I'm, I'm from the old land of England, and so that's where I'm from. And today's uh, sermon, as, as uh, Pastor Ryan just said, is I will pray for my church leaders. Uh, so for those of you who are just joining us uh, for today, uh, we're in a series called I Am A Church Member, and, uh, and this, this is the fourth session in I Am A Church Member. Now, in my best Texan accent, all right, no, okay. I believe Jesus wants me and all of y'all to pray. All of y'all, not just a few of y'all, not just most of y'all, but all of y'all, okay? So if you don't remember anything else what I just said, just remember an Englishman saying like some, some Texan. Um, but, but really what I want you to take away today is, uh, and I hope and I've been praying this week, is that we each learn how to pray for other people. How to pray for other people. Prayer and praying for others only makes sense if we have a relationship with Jesus. Because prayer is the backbone to any successful Christian life that you may be thinking or wanting. And any church wanting to grow spiritually and or numerically must do the hard work and get on their knees and pray. So what are we going to do right now? We're going to pray. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for everybody here in this room and all the families and communities that are represented. And Lord, I pray that 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 would be so true in our lives, that we would learn how to pray, not just for ourselves, but for those around us and for our community, our state, and our nation. And Lord, that we would be the light in the darkness, that our lives may reflect your goodness, and your life in us. So, Father, I pray today that you would, uh, you would birth in us a, a passion and a heart for prayer, and for, I pray that the intercessors would rise up in this place and that we would intercede not just for leaders and, uh, and, and other people, but, Lord, that we'd be praying for the, the church to grow. And we ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, you may want to turn to your Bible. There should be a Bible in front of you. Uh, if not, and you can uh, you can have it on your phone or whatever device you use. Um, and it's going to be turning to 1 Timothy 
chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. So that's 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7. And uh, we're using the Christian Standard Bible, but if you have another version, that's great. And it'll be on your screen as well. So here we go. Um, uh, we're going to be starting in, I guess, yeah, verse, verse 2. This saying is, is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might be conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders, so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. So here we have Paul, who wrote this letter to, um, and he was, Paul was an elder and an apostle in the church, and he is writing a letter to a younger church leader uh, and Paul's disciple named Timothy, and giving him ad- advice on what a church leader sounds like, behaves like, looks like. And the early church, as, as the church still does today, takes leadership and oversight of the church very seriously. Now, have any of you wondered what it would be like to be a senior pastor for a day a week or maybe a month. I mean, I mean, they only work for a couple of hours on a Sunday, right? Isn't that right? They just, they just preach a couple of sermons? No? Your experience is different here? Okay. Well, they, uh, well we'd all like that life, wouldn't we, where we, have, where we can just turn up one day and, and, and one day of work, and then we can kind of leisurely go about our life for the rest of it. But we know that's not true here. But let me give you an example of what a pretty typical day in the life of a pastor. Now, these names used are real names, but the situation is fictional, okay? So just to let you know, all right? So Pastor Ryan, he sits down on a Thursday to finally write his sermon after getting all his kids to school, and he's been thinking and praying all week about what he wants to preach. And he's pretty pumped up about uh, what he's going to preach as he thinks, you know, it's really going to impact all the folk in, in the community and in the congregation. And about 8.15, he gets the call that a prominent church family has been involved in a car wreck on their way to school. The family are okay, but the dad, Pastor Eddie, uh, is in a critical condition, and they don't know if he's going to make it. So Pastor Ryan rushes to the hospital to be with the family, and he meets the family in the emergency room, and the family are sobbing in shock because they've just heard the news that Eddie has just died. Pastor Ryan comforts and prays with them for about three hours, and after he is sure that there's enough people to care for the family, he returns home, grabs a quick bite to eat with his wife, Rachel, and, uh, and then uh, returns to his, his office and his computer screen, emotionally and spiritually exhausted to finish his sermon. But as he's walking into the office, his assistant, Jancy, informs him that there are two people 
waiting in his office to talk to him and to have words urgently. He agrees to talk to the two men. One is Pastor John, who said he is struggling with the worship ministry and wants to give up. That's not true, by the way. All right. Uh, as I said, it's fictional. All right. Pastor Ryan convinces him to carry on by listening to him for a couple of hours, trying to understand his accent, and consoling and encouraging John. The next is a key member of the church who is a great friend of Pastor Ryan's and a valuable lay leader in the church. And off guard, this member says that his wife is having an affair. They both cry, and Pastor Ryan prays and talks with this member about the next steps he must take. It's now about five o'clock, and Pastor Ryan, too exhausted to carry on with his sermon, opens up his emails and reads three emails from church members. One was a church member asking why the building work was not finished. Another was complaining about the style of worship last Sunday, and also complaining about something that he said in his sermon last week. And also, uh, lastly, someone emailed about why he hadn't been to visit uh, his, uh, a cousin-in-law who had uh, minor outpatient surgery uh, yesterday. So not having the capacity to reply, he shuts the laptop and then he grabs dinner, but not for long because he has to go and uh, lead the prayer at the 7th grade puncher game and 7th uh, and 8th grade, and also watch his son play, and he doesn't get home until about 9.30 p.m. He walks back to his computer screen, shuts the door, and cries. Eddie, who was killed earlier in the day, was Pastor Ryan's best friend, and this was the first chance that Ryan had had to grieve. That's pretty much a, that can be a typical day for a pastor. And the question I want to pose to you this morning is, do you pray? I mean, do you really pray? Especially for your pastor or those in leadership. Now today I'm going to share with you four things that we begin to pray for our pastor or others, that we can begin to pray for others uh, and our pastor straight away. Number one, is obviously praying for the pastor and the other church leaders. The truth is, um, being a pastor or overseer of the church is tough. I've had the privilege of uh, being, the, being a pastor back in my home country of England. And let me, know, let me let you into a little secret. Uh, being a pastor is much more than two hours a week. Um, being a pastor is where your family grow up, your community, they're your friends acquaintances, your job, your status, your ministry, your vocation. And the reason, the reason that people sign up to be a pastor um, is because you love Jesus and you want to tell other people about Jesus. That's the main reason. And then you get into it and you realize, oh my goodness, this is not what it, was, this is not what it said on the tin. Um, but you can have all these things, you know, the community, the friends, everything, but if you don't have Jesus, or you don't have people praying for you, or you don't spend time with Jesus yourself, you can slowly drift away from these things, and, and the situation can become hopeless. But whether they admit it or not, all church leaders need prayer. 
Whatever term you use, pastor, director, elder, or anyone in any kind of leadership role needs prayer. And as church members, we need to pray for our leaders. Praying is not just for the professionals. It's not just at a certain time during the week. You can pray at all times. That's what Scripture says. Pray at all times, in all sorts of ways, in all circumstances. We need to be praying. And many of you in this room hold leadership positions, whether it's a ministry team or whatever it may be. Pray. And if you're not a leader, pray for those that are a leader. They need it. And it will not only benefit those you are praying for, but also those people who don't know Jesus yet. Because the hope is down the line, through the church, they will come to know Jesus. And that can only happen if we have healthy, functioning leaders. So that story I shared earlier about uh, Ryan is an example of a true story that can happen with many uh, mountaintop and valley experiences for a pastor in just one day, praised and adulated by some, torn down and castigated by others. And as a church, one of our primary calls is to be a praying church. I've already mentioned that. A church that is on its knees for the lost, for the broken, those needing healing, but particularly those who God has called to lead the church because these are the people responsible for living out and teaching what God has to say to us in God's word. And we should pray that God would not only give Ryan and other pastors wisdom, insight, and knowledge about Scripture, but that this is the one word that, that typically all, all, all of us need is endurance. To those that get up, whether it's teaching the kids, whether it's teaching the adults, week in, week out, endurance for the long haul because they need to hear from God just as, like, just as much as we all need to hear from God and uh, pray, for their, pray for their preaching. You might be thinking right now, John, you need some serious prayer for your preaching. And so, but that's, that's besides the point. But, but, they're, they're, <laughs> but there's, we need, leaders need prayer. They need prayer. And if, they, if they're stubborn and prideful, they'll say, no, I don't, or that's okay, you know. But no, they need prayer. So just pray for them, even if they say no. Number two, pray for him and his, his family. Years ago, I remember um, doing a, uh, conducting a funeral. A wedding, uh, met with a couple about who were getting married and were getting prepared to get, uh, for their wedding. I went and saw a couple in the afternoon who just had a baby, a baby visit. And uh, in the evening, in the late uh, at night, I visited uh, a mom and dad who had had a stillborn. Uh, all in all in one day and and as as you as well as uh, that you go home to your family and you want to spend quality time with your with my wife and kids but trying to keep that balance is, is really difficult and so with that being said if we turn to our scripture it's 1 Timothy 3 5 comes to mind because pastors want to be great husbands and great fathers and great guys but the qualifications for that are staggering. And as I mentioned above, uh, Paul puts that real kicker in here at verse 5. He says, If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? The older uh, Jansen I's children get, the more this impresses upon me. If I can't take care of my own household, how can I take care of God's church? 
The family is the front line for your pastor's ministry. They're the first that take the brunt of it. People want to look after and take care. Pastors want to look after and take care of their family, but it can be a real strain on the family when shepherding a flock and trying to have normal family life. Now, I know that Scripture tells us in Matthew that not to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. But the truth is, those who are leaders for the church worry. Pastors worry. And when I was in, in full-time ministry, uh, my worries were threefold. And I would always have to kind of check in with myself. And so, number one was time with the Lord. Had I spent enough time with the Lord? Number two, had I spent enough time with my family? And number three, time by myself. Now, I worried about neglecting my family or feeling guilty when I spent time away doing ministry. But I was also super sensitive to people that criticized my family or, said, uh, or, or me. And, and it, was, it was hard. It would make you kind of retract because you're like, I don't want to expose my family to this church that is, is, can kind of come against you. And so when we have, and, and, what, and what this whole series is about, and this is what I was saying in our Life Connection group, is it's, we're doing a paradigm shift. We're saying the church isn't about serving my needs. It's flipping it on its head and saying, how can I serve the church's needs? How can I serve others? And praying releases us to do that. It releases us to do that. It takes the focus off of you and puts the focus on God. And for some of us, we need to hear that today. It's not, the church is not about you. As much as we love you and as much as we want you to, to grow in Christ and be here and serve you, it's not about you. It's about Jesus and it's about his return and it's about welcoming others into that family. And so, so when we... When we kind of get caught up in the, in the emotion of things, give it to God. Give it to God and say, okay, I can't control this. I'm going to give it to you. And so worry can consume our churches, can consume pastors. But he wants us to know that we can give that over to him. All right, number three is pray for his protection. Verses 2 to 4, if you look with me in, in 1 Timothy. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. Whew, that's a pretty, uh, pretty high standard. But this isn't the only list that Scripture mentions. There are many other lists that, uh, for qualifications. But those two words, if you look in verse 2, it says, therefore must be above reproach. Well, reproach means to find fault in someone or something. So to be above that is to show people that they can find no reason to find fault. So while the leaders of the church are not expected to be perfect, he is to have a reputation that is above everyone else. And so when you think about your pastor, what do you think about? How, when you talk to other people about, I don't know if you talk about Ryan, I mean, you might, um, but, uh, but if you do, what do people say? Do, they, do we have a high regard for that? And if so, 
if maybe some people say some negative things. I know we're human. We have human nature. But how do we respond to that? Do we say, okay, I'm going to, go, I'm going to pray. I, that, this makes me want to pray for Ryan. This makes me want to pray it, rather than joining in with what the culture wants us to do. But this expectation is something that, particularly in a small town like Mason, where everyone knows everyone, and on top of that, you know, we've got this, it says about being self-controlled, especially at peewee football, right? Yeah, and uh, a good teacher, gentle, not argumentative, and his family must reflect a healthy Christian family. Easy, right, Ryan? Yeah, no, no problem? Okay, smooth sailing. All right. Well, this is why we need to pray, because this is an impossible expectation for anyone to, to have. But through standing with our leaders in prayer and the power and victory of Jesus, it can be made possible. And the reason isn't so that we can have a holy huddle. The church was never designed to be a holy huddle. And this is where, this is where you get, you know, you've had people say to you, um, well, everyone inside the church, they're a hypocrite. Anyone heard that before? Just me? Just me? Oh, a few nods, a few nods. Okay, thank you, John. Thank you. Yeah, hands up. That's good. Uh, they're a hypocrite. Uh, they don't live uh, outside of the church, outside of this on a Sunday. They live completely differently on a Monday. We've all heard that. And so the reason why we need to pray for people and pray for our leaders is so that they model a healthy, what it looks like to be a healthy Christian uh, in a small town community, but also so that we can be praying that all of us, not just the leaders, all of us can go out and, and be a light, be a beacon, whatever you may be, be an example to the rest of the community. Because it's, it's about, it mentions here in verse 7 about outsiders. People are looking at you as a Christian, whether you know that or not. And you might be the first Bible they read, you might be the first Christian that they interact with. And what are they going to experience? What are they going to see? Are they going to see a, a, a healthy Christian who, who loves Jesus and wants to invite others in? Or will they see a different picture? God wants us to pray like we've never prayed before. If we want to grow as a church and be a light in this town and region, see more people saved, more people discipled, living in the light of the gospel. We need to pray for protection and pray uh, that we would thwart the plans of the enemy. So will you join me and the, and the leadership and the rest of these church members in praying for not just the leaders, but for, for everyone in this church that we may be a light to Mason and beyond. And lastly, number four, pray for their physical and mental health. Now, I know at First Baptist Mason, we have a chiseled fine specimen of a man in, uh, in Pastor Ryan, but the, but the, the case is, uh, is more serious. If you look nationwide uh, at all the churches and the church leaders, over 50% of pastors say that they do not exercise at all. 
or take care of themselves physically? Over 50%. None. Zip. Nada. No exercise. And so serving and leading the church and leading their families well takes all of their extra energy. And by the time they get home, all they want is a bowl of ice cream or whatever your uh, go-to food is and go to sleep. That's all they, that's all they want to do because they're so tired. But again, in, in order to be effective for gospel ministry and leading the church well, we need our leaders to be physically healthy. This is why I had, the, you know, I mentioned the three worries that I had in my time with God, time with my family, and time by myself. Often that time by myself included reading my Bible, retreats, exercise, looking after my body. Now, since I've moved to Texas, it's kind of, you know, the food's too good. And so, uh, so I kind of let that one slip a little bit. And, uh, but, um, but I would, but the thing is, but then I would go back to, I would review what am I reading, what am I eating, how much exercise am I doing a week, and uh, keep in check with that so I can be there, so that I'm actually going to be around in five years for my church, and particularly, more importantly, my family. One of the best things I did, if, we, if now we're just focusing on mental health, one of the best things I did... Uh, as a, as a pastor was, I went to see a Christian counselor for about six months. Some of you might be shocked. Oh, you went to see a counselor? Yes, I did. Every week, sometimes twice a week, um, to get my emotional health uh, up to where it needed to be. It helped bring clarity to my thinking, who I was as a, as a man, as a husband and a father, but also it showed me uh, why I behave in certain ways, in certain scenarios. And a lot of it was uh, I needed healing, a lot of healing. It went back to childhood stuff, that the way I was raised, and, and not that, you know, I need to go into detail with that, but, but there were some childhood things that I needed to address. And then there was other things that in my teenage years I seriously needed to address. And, so, <laughs> and, uh, and then after that, but, it, but the thing is, is like, we need to be able to create time to do that and space to be able to think about why am I responding the way I do? And maybe for some of us out there, we need some emotional healing or mental healing. And I would certainly recommend going to see a Christian counselor until you get it figured out. It's like, it's like uh, back, in the, back in the olden days, you used to have uh, like wires that you connected people by phones. You know, we didn't have wireless or Wi-Fi or anything like that, but you used to kind of you have to have an operator and plug things in. And it felt like when I had Christian counseling, it was like God was rewiring me, taking out one, one plug and putting it into another, into the one that God wanted me. Because there's certain things that we, we have a perspective, we have a lens that we look at the world through, and often that can be conditioned by the way that the, some of the things that we've done and, and some of the things that we've, we've experienced but God, is, but God brings us back to his truth when we look at his word, when we pray, and he rewires us. And so for some of us, we need rewiring this morning, and, and God can do that. He can do that. When we take that step in prayer, he can rewire us. That's because God loves both the mind and the body, 
and he wants us to be able to use our body and mind to bring about his purposes and the advance of his kingdom. So there we have it. We've got four things. We've got number one, pray for the senior pastor and other church leaders. Number two, for their families. Number three, for their protection. And number four, for their physical and mental health. Each week as, uh, as church members, we have been renewing our commitment to the church and to one another with pledges. And so the, the fourth pledge is going to come up. And uh, if you feel like you want to pledge uh, this, this, then I, want, I just want us all to say this, say this together, uh, particularly if you're a church member <laughs> of our church. If you're a guest, you can choose to or not. But let's, uh, let's, let's say this together. I am a church member... I will pray for my pastor each day. Yeah, understand that the pastor's work is never-ending. His days are filled with numerous demands that bring emotional highs and lows. He must deal with critics. He must be a good husband and father because a pastor cannot do all things in his own power. I pray for his strength and wisdom daily. Okay, so let's, uh, let's stand together. Worship team, if you want to come, praise team, if you want to come out. And, uh, and let's, let's just close our eyes. And there are three things um, that, that I really want to um, ask of you today. Is number one, do you pray? And if, if not, then ask God to help you to pray. Number two, does my life reflect the, ex, the experience I've had of Jesus? Does my life, when I leave this building, does it look the same as it does inside this building? And number three, do I need God to rewire me? And the best way for Him to rewire you is by committing your life to him and saying, Jesus, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot do this on my own. I need you. So let's pray. Lord, I pray if any of those three things uh, speak to anyone, I pray that uh, you'd give them courage to take a step, whether that's physically come forward here or just in their hearts and in their minds. Lord, may you move in power and help us to be a praying church. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. If any of you want to come forward, I'll be happy to pray with you. The, the uh, worship team are going to lead us in a song.
just the sum of every high and every low. Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. job to spot me playing with Courtney's mind. So thank you. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, by the way, too. So uh, grateful for you. We'll be praying for you guys tonight. Lois will be there. I do have a quick theory, though, about John and the, you know, the, the chisel figure thing. If, if I was made to eat baked beans for breakfast, um, as John was in England, I'd be real skinny, too. So uh, 
the food is better in Texas. But, John, thank you for bringing God's word. Uh, uh, Fields of Faith, FCA group, thank you very much. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on the sign-up table if you want to help out and serve in places. Uh, man, y'all plug in. It's going to be a big night. Invite, invite. But, again, I want to say uh, thank you for, all the, for, for being here this morning. Uh, and the praise team is going to lead us out as a song as we are dismissed. Thank you for being here.